Welcome to the Rest and Recovery Podcast. This is a podcast on life's most effective healing tools, rest and recovery, through expert advice, wellness methods, and self-care. Hello, everyone. I am really excited to introduce uh, my sponsor, Bio-Optimizers. If you're not familiar with them, they make some of the highest quality grade supplemental products out there. Um, being my, uh, honestly, my first sponsorship, um, I didn't want to put anything out there that I didn't try, use, uh, or get behind. And um, I'm really excited that, that they've just released their new and improved formula for Magnesium Breakthrough, which is the most powerful magnesium supplement on the market today. And if you know anything about magnesium, it's a critical mineral for our health and is a precursor to quality rest to help produce melatonin. And so using this new fourth generation formula, Magnesium Breakthrough, uh, it's potent, it's effective, and it will help reduce your stress, improve sleep, and overall boost your energy levels. So uh, I've already taken this, as I mentioned before, and you'll want to try this. I mean, it's it's uh, I've given a number of them out for free to friends, uh, and they've really enjoyed it. So if you've never tried it before, now's the time to do it. Uh, you can use the code REST10 at checkout. Again, REST, R-E-S-T-10 at checkout. In every bottle of magnesium, you'll get seven unique form, forms of organic full-spectrum magnesium, which is, can dramatically improve your health. As I mentioned, it can help you sleep longer and deeper, reduce your stress levels, and help you feel calm. And if you give give you abundant all-day energy to win at life. And as you know, that's ultimately in line with the vision of this podcast is to live this one life well to, through rest and recovery. And nothing uh, is going to help much more than magnesium breakthrough. So check it out. Again, REST10, R-E-S-T-10. Okay, uh, Scott Shortmeyer here with the Rest and Recovery Podcast, and we are in beautiful Boston at the Biohacking Congress event. This is the second one of this this year, and uh, with me is Dr. Nathan Bryan. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Scott, for having me. Yeah, uh, great to have you on. Uh, like I was saying offline, caught the tail end of your uh, presentation on nitric oxide, and so personally, I've heard about it, but not that often. Yeah. And it seems like it's an under-discussed but critically important topic. Uh, so maybe uh, define nitric oxide yeah. and the importance and uh, we can kind of go from there. Sure. Well, I mean, you make a very good point. I mean, this is a molecule that's discovered more than 30 years ago and still there's not a lot of people that know about it or probably heard about it, but don't understand the true implications of nitric oxide. Um, but it's a signaling molecule. I think it's probably one of the most important molecules produced in the body of humans. It controls uh, circulation. It controls oxygen or nutrient delivery to every cell in the body. It's a neurotransmitter and it's how our immune system fights off invading pathogens. So now we're finding that if you can't make nitric oxide, it's the number one reason for cardiovascular disease, basically every major, major. age-related disease, and it puts you at risk for viral infections, including the coronavirus. And, and it's amazing to me that, uh, you know, you talk about oxygen, you hear about CO2 all the time when it comes to energy production and cardiovascular and things of that nature, but wh why is NO so omitted from that dialogue? 
Well, in 2015, it was discovered that nitric oxide is part of the res cardiorespiratory cycle. Okay. So before that, it was thought you just pick up oxygen, you excrete CO2, but all that's dependent upon nitric oxide production. So now it's recognized that the cardiorespiratory cycle is a three-gas system. It's oxygen, carbon dioxide, and nitric oxide. Okay. So without nitric oxide, you can't deliver oxygen to the periphery. And so the part of the Bohr effect, or how we deliver oxygen in the periphery and pick up CO2, is dependent upon nitric oxide. So it's kind of the glue. It is. No, it's, it's the signaling aspect of hemoglobin. So what we're finding now, especially over the past two years, is right. COVID patients, the people who get sick and die from COVID are the people who can't make nitric oxide. So what does that mean? It means you, when you're exposed, your body can elicit an immune response. The virus replicates, propagates throughout the body. You lose oxygen saturation. You go to the hospital, you get ventilated, and then you die. That's the typical event. Because you're, and even if you put people on 100% oxygen, many times you can't improve their oxygen saturation. Okay. Because you're not correcting the lack of nitric oxide. So what we're finding now, if you restore nitric oxide production, you can improve oxygen saturation, even in COVID patients, and keep them out of the hospital, keep them off, keep them off a mechanical vent. And if you can do that, you can keep people, keep people alive. So how do you produce? How do you produce nitric oxide? What's that process? Well, there's two, so it's naturally produced in okay. the body. There's two ways the body makes it. One is through an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase. That enzyme converts arginine to nitric oxide. So years ago, probably 20 years ago or more, there were a lot of so-called nitric oxide products that contain L-arginine. But the older we get, the less our body is able to convert arginine to nitric oxide. Okay. So that, that strategy has failed. In fact, giving arginine to a patient that's nitric oxide deficient is like putting gas in a car with a blown up engine, okay. right? Isn't They're not out really of fuel, good? right? Yeah. The engine's broken. Right. So arginine products typically don't do anything. Um, but so we have to recouple that enzyme and allow the body to then convert that normally. The other more interesting pathway, I think, is through diet. So green leafy vegetables that contain inorganic nitrate that's uh, converted to nitrite and nitric oxide by bacteria in the body. Okay. So anything we do that disrupts the microbiome, shuts down nitric oxide production, causes an increase in blood pressure, causes sexual dysfunction, and puts you at an increased risk for cardiovascular disease. Sexual dysfunction as well, I guess because it's blood flow related, right? It's right. all it's, blood flow. Yeah, so it's every single chronic disease, is hallmark, the hallmarks of every single chronic disease is decreased blood flow. So if you have decreased blood flow to the brain, you develop neurological conditions or loss of cognition, if you develop decreased blood flow to the heart, you develop heart disease, decreased blood flow to the sex organs, you develop sexual dysfunction. Okay. So you have to be able to make nitric oxide, which then dilates the blood vessels, especially in the sex organs, which causes engorgement, and that's what causes an erection. Okay. So if you can't get increased blood flow because you can't make nitric oxide, you don't get an erection. And that's in both men and women. So what, is there something that causes a depletion in the body uh, throughout life? Well, there's an age-related decline in <clears throat> nitric oxide production. So it's similar to growth hormone, testosterone hormones. Just the older we get, the it's less the, we make. Yeah. But we, we now know how to overcome that. So it's, it's exposure to things like a poor diet, you know, mm. a high glycemic diet that glycates the enzyme, uncouples it, renders it dysfunctional. There's clear evidence now that glyphosate, you know, the uh, Roundup yep. found in most uh, crops grown in the U.S., uh, shut down nitric oxide production. Uh, EMF frequencies of certain, uh, you know, 5G disrupts the nitric oxide production. Okay. So really a lot of the things we're exposed to shut down nitric oxide production. Oh, wow. And things like mouthwash kill the oral microbiome, shut down nitric oxide production. Fluoride in your toothpaste is an antiseptic, kills the bacteria, you become nitric oxide deficient. 
So everything so, that most Americans are doing are causing a disruption in nitric oxide production. Okay. And so to me, it's, it's no wonder we have the sickest population on Earth. Yeah, and you can almost explain, you know, like you said, the last two years, why we had probably globally one of the worst effects from it. Um, and you, you compare that to other areas that didn't have it as much, right. and you can look at the diet, it seemed like. Yeah, so what we're finding is that the patients who get sick and die from COVID are elderly, 50 to 85, African-American, Hispanic, with at least one underlying comorbidity, whether okay. that's high blood pressure, previous heart attack, diabetes, obesity, or smokers. Those are the highest risk patients. 98, 99% of the people that get COVID typically recover mild symptoms and move on. Okay. So there are at-risk patients. I mean, same with seasonal flu, even sure. pre-COVID. The same people that get sick and die from COVID are the exact same people that get sick and die from the seasonal flu. Okay. And it all points to a lack of nitric oxide production. So what, what are the strategies to kind of reclaim that or how do you do that, especially at scale when, yeah. when you also hear about, you know, you mentioned the different diseases, it's, it's like 50% of the population. Right. And you hear some of these other things around metabolic dysfunction as well. I'm sure there's a correlation. Um, how, do you, how do we hedge against that? Well, I tell people you have to do two things. Stop doing the things that disrupt nitric oxide production <laughs> and then start doing the things that's clinically proven to restore it. So stop using mouthwash. There's 200 million Americans that wake up every morning and use mouthwash. 200 million Americans have an unsafe elevation in blood pressure. It's not coincidence, it's causal. Wow. So the other thing is fluoride. If you use fluoride in your toothpaste or you go to the dentist and get a fluoride rinse, you have to stop. Fluoride's a neurotoxin, it's an antiseptic, and it kills your thyroid function. So you have to remove fluoride the other problem is it's, it's in municipal water. Mm -hmm. So the water we drink, cook in, bathe in, is fluorinated. So I tell people you have to get a home filtration system to remove the fluoride. Okay. Um, and then, you know, stop smoking. If you're on antacids, you have to stop, get off antacids. Antacids shut down nitric oxide production. So those are the three main things that you have to stop doing. Okay. In fact, that saves people money, right? Yeah. It's it not would. asking a lot. Well, and some of them are, yeah, like you said, almost free or will save you money stop brushing your teeth or not stop brushing your teeth, yeah, but yeah, just get rid of using the fluoride, the, the fluoride yeah. based stuff. So once you do that, the body will reward you with healing itself. Okay. And then now you just do things, moderate physical exercise. We have to move that stimulates nitric oxide production. Throw in some more green leafy vegetables. That's your source of nitrate. Okay. But then the body converts into nitrite, nitric oxide, and then get some sunlight. You know, the, the, wavelengths of light and the frequency of light we get from the sun or even from red light therapy or an infrared sauna yeah. produce nitric oxide. So it's really that simple. You stop doing the things that disrupt it, start doing the things that promote it. Yeah, it's amazing how, uh, you know, the world has been set up for our benefit, really. Just circadian rhythms and you mentioned the sunlight and those simple things and sometimes we can overcomplicate That's right. some of the things that uh, are really the best for us. Well, I think humans have the best intentions, I think, the majority of us. Yeah. And so, you know, we're taught these things, right? Fluoride was put in the mouthwash and, and toothpaste years ago. And, you know, when I ask people why they do that, well, it's just because it's the way we've always done it. Yeah. Right? So we've, we know things now that we didn't know 50 years ago. Right. And if we don't act and correct those things that we now know are harmful and not beneficial, then we can't, we no longer have the excuse we do it. Well, we just, that's just the way we've done it. Yeah. So that's called progress. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's very simple what we have to do. You have to, you know, 
there's consequences to things people do, and if they don't recognize that and correct it, then they're gonna continue down this spiral of poor health. You know, we spend more money per capita than any nation in the world, and we have the sickest people. Yeah, yeah, and it's amazing to me the, the conversation piece isn't around uh, nutrition and exercise and those, those simple ta tactics that we can do. Well, that's very simple, but I think most Americans are uh, programmed that they want a simple fix. Nobody wants to change their diet. Nobody wants to change their lifestyle. Nobody wants to put in the work. It's, yeah. it's hard work to stay healthy. It is. But it's much cheaper. People have to make an investment in themselves. There's no greater asset that we have than our health. Yeah, I mean, you're going to pay for it at some point, whether <laughs> it's true. in the short term and you can amortize it and live longer and a higher quality life or spend the last decade not feeling very good yeah. on all kinds of medications. But this whole, you know, the concept that there's a magic pill or some exercise mimetic that people can take and not have to do anything else, is, yeah. um, that doesn't exist. Yeah. Nitric oxide's important, but it, it isn't a silver bullet. You know, you still got to do the things and, and change the lifestyle and, 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 and correct these behaviors that are contributing to your disease. Yeah, I, I think I came to the conclusion recently that success is boring, uh, really. <laughs> you know, it, it's the little things that you do on a consistent basis. Yeah, it's the turtle and the, the hare, right? Right, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's the, the slow consistency that leads to the, to the wins. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, most Americans want immediate gratification. And you know, if you've been sick and unhealthy for 10 years, you're not going to turn this around in a period of days or weeks. Yeah. It's hard work. But, you know, for me, it's easier, it's easier to prevent disease than it is to cure it. True. So once yeah. we get, and that's the problem with the way medicine's practiced in the U.S., is it's a reactive practice. So people don't go to the doctor or take corrective actions until they're sick. Right. We have to be proactive. We have to, we, we, the, the amount of information and the evolution of science is faster than any pace in the history of the world. So now we have to take that. That's the beauty of the biohacking Congress. You bring yeah. all these people together and learn these simple tricks that then you can implement most of the times very simply and easily that you can prevent disease. And that's the whole basis of what we what we're trying to do. So what's your thought on, on, on that last mile, I'll call it, of the human behavior element to try and get that transformation at scale? Well, it's a slow process and I think people want immediate gratification and that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. But you know, we're up against a lot of resistance. So the pressures to feed a growing planet has led to nutrient depletion in the soil. So the farming practices to mass produce the food to feed a growing planet and there's clear evidence now that since 1941 to 2020, there's 78% depletion in all minerals and nutrients in the foods we grow in the U.S. Yeah, it's amazing. You're just as full, but you're getting less of the nutrients. Yeah, so we have to, we almost have to supplement. And I think the best way to do that is, you know, there's labs out there. You can do a micronutrient analysis, go get it done, see what your body's missing. And then you have to supplement because we're not getting what we need from the diet. So around the, the supplementation, um, you talked in your speech on some different methodologies to kind of ingest it other than nutrition. Um, is there a particular methodology, protocol, optimal approach to get it in a supplemental form? Sure. So once we understood how the human body makes nitric oxide and then what goes wrong in people that can't make it, then we employ strategies to overcome that. So we now know that most Americans are deficient in nitrate in the diet. So we can supplement a standardized amount of nitrate that the body's missing. So if, if you're deficient in magnesium, what do you do? You take magnesium. If you're deficient in vitamin D, what do you do? You take, take vitamin D, right? right? If you're deficient in nitrate, which most people are, you take nitrate. 
But then we also have to fix the enzyme that produces nitric oxide in the lining of the blood vessel. Okay. So we have technology that does that in the form of an orally disintegrating tablet. So this matrix falls apart, you put it in your mouth, it takes about five to six minutes to dissolve. But during that five to six minutes, we're generating nitric oxide gas. Okay. So if your body can't make it, we do it for you. And then we also improve the ability, the body's ability to make nitric oxide. So we recouple the NOS enzyme, lead to better endothelial function, better circulation, better management of blood pressure, all through this orally disintegrating tablet. So what, what's the expectation on the person who uses it? Like what, what should I feel if I consume that? Well, you know, f I think we're probably the anomaly, right? We're, we're somewhat healthy despite our advanced age. Uh, so if you're healthy and you make nitric oxide, you, take, you, you don't feel anything. So I don't feel it okay. unless I exert myself. So if I, for instance, go to the gym and I do a typical you know, routine every time I work out, two to three miles on the treadmill, then resistance training, and then I go sit in a sauna. But if I don't take nitric oxide prior to that, then the perceived exertion of that same regimen is much greater. Okay. So then okay. if you push yourself, you can, you can notice the difference. But if you're really sick and really unhealthy, if you have you know, emphysema, COPD, uh, high blood pressure, you know, when you take that nitric oxide, you're going to notice it. People, people really? feel it. Yeah. Can that help folks with uh, maybe asthma and other, I guess COPD would be corollary. Absolutely. We have to train those. So nitric oxide is a gas. Mm -hmm. So when that lozenge is dissolving, we try to train people to deep, breathe deeply, nasal breathing, deliver that nitric oxide that's being generated in the mouth directly to the uh, airways. Okay. So it's a bronchodilator as well as a vasodilator. Okay. So you improve oxygen exchange. You br open up the bronchioles, better perfuse the lungs, better oxygenate the blood, and you get better oxygen delivery to every cell in the body. Okay. Can we go back a little bit? You mentioned nitrite and nitrate. Yeah. Can you explain those two a little bit more in detail? So when nitric oxide is produced in the body, it's gone in less than a second. So it has a half-life of less than a second. So okay. it's oxidized to nitrite and nitrate. Historically, nitrite and nitrate have gotten bad rap because that's how you cure meat. Right? Right. Cured and processed yeah. meats. You add sodium nitrite or potassium nitrate to the meat. And that prevents bacterial spoilage. It prevents, uh, it extends shelf life, prevents lipid oxidation. Okay. And it's critically important for food safety. So I guess dating back to the 50s and 60s, there was evidence that nitrosamines in cured meat were causing cancer. So then the nutritional epidemiologist goes, okay, what is the biologically plausible mechanism? Well, you add nitrite to cured and processed meats. If there's low molecular weight amines in there, they can form nitrosamines, and nitrosamines cause cancer. Okay. But now we know, and since 1973, the U.S. government changed the Code of Federal Regulations that any, any meat product or any food product you added nitrite, you had to add ascorbic acid. Okay. Because that inhibits any nitrosative chemistry. Now the meat processors use erythrobate which is a isoform of uh, ascorbate, and it prevents the nitrosative chemistry. Okay. So now, since 1970s, there's been no preformed nitrosamines in any of the meat supply. And two, if nitrite nitrate cause cancer, then vegetarians would have about a 10 time higher rate of cancer than meat eaters, because 85% of the nitrate nitrite we get from our diet comes from vegetables. Yeah. Only 5% comes from cured and processed meats. Okay. The other 10% comes from swallowing our own saliva. Wait, run that by <laughs> So when, we, when, when our body makes nitric oxide in the lining of the blood vessels, yeah. it's oxidized to nitrate. Okay. And then that nitrate is concentrated in our salivary glands. So now each time we salivate, nitrate is secreted 
in our mouth. Really? And then there are nitrate-reducing bacteria that live on the crypts of the tongue that reduce nitrate to nitrite. So now every time we swallow our saliva, nitrite becomes protonated in the acid environment of the stomach. We generate nitric oxide gas, and that basically improves circulation, improves gastric mucosal blood flow, you enhance nutrient absorption, prevent um, uh, foodborne illnesses like from E. coli or salmonella, okay. kills H. pylori, the, uh, the ulcer-causing bacteria. So, so that's, that's the 10% that would, so that's a fundamental physiological process that's necessary to maintain normal blood pressure and for, to prevent any foodborne illness. So you're making me think of something, but I, work with me on the question. Yeah. So th does that correlate with nitric oxide um, process and bacteria in your mouth and your gut? Is there a connection to that? No, so we, we published on this years ago that if you disrupt the oral microbiome, it, changes an it causes an increase in blood pressure. And th this is a completely new phenomenon in, in cardiovascular science, right? That the bacteria that live in our mouth are controlling our systemic blood pressure. So when we were, were so humans don't have a nitrate reductase enzyme. So okay. everything we do in terms of diet is dependent upon the microbiome. So if we're using mouthwash, which 200 million Americans wake up every day and use mouthwash, 200 million Americans have an unsafe elevation in blood pressure. If you disrupt this microbiome, it disrupts nitric oxide production causes an increase in blood pressure, causes sexual dysfunction, and you even you lose the protective benefits of exercise. So if you use wow. mouthwash, then go for a two to three mile run or go to the gym, you don't get any protective benefits of exercise. So it's nulling it, it's basically nulling wiping it, yeah. it out. It'd be, you're just as good of doing nothing if you're using mouthwash. What? Yeah, that I was on the insane. Yeah, no, I was on the doctor show <clears throat> last year when we made that observation that if you use mouthwash, you lose the benefits of exercise. So and it's a nitric oxide related phenomenon. Is it because it's killing the bacteria That's in the right. mouth? So, so this whole hygiene hypothesis of disease is valid, right? So 200 million prescriptions written for antibiotics every year. We now know the, the effects of antibiotics on the, the GI microbiome, and it causes a lot of human disease. So we know not to take an antibiotic every day, so why would you use a mouthwash every day? Right. You're causing not only oral dysbiosis, you're causing gut dysbiosis. You're shutting down nitric oxide production, and loss of nitric oxide is causal for the number one killer of men and women worldwide, which could is that, cardiovascular disease. So could that correlate to some um, uh, mystery diseases like chronic fatigue? Could there be some correlation or connection no, to that? No doubt. I mean, chronic fatigue is basically, it's a mitochondrial dysfunction. So mitochondria produce cellular energy. Nitric oxide is what controls mitochondrial biogenesis. Nitric oxide controls ATP production and oxygen utilization to make ATP. So if you can't make nitric oxide, you have less mitochondria producing less energy even though you have sufficient oxygen. Yeah. So that explains chronic fatigue, it explains cancer, it explains every age-related chronic disease from Alzheimer's, diabetes, chronic fatigue syndrome. Wow. Even a lot of autoimmunity. That's amazing to me. Uh, so you, you mentioned blood pressure. Uh, can you kind of expand, and, and maybe you touched on it already, but um, how, how consuming these products can help with the blood pressure piece of it? Because that's another big issue with, with society. Yeah, I mean, it's the number one modifiable risk factor for cardiovascular disease. So nitric oxide is a vasodilator, meaning when it's produced, it causes the blood vessels to dilate and expand. Okay. So we have the same, typically the same amount of volume all the time. So you have the same amount of volume in a smaller pipe, you develop high blood pressure. 
get that same volume, but the blood vessels are more dilated, then you have lower pressure. Okay. So nitric oxide is what causes the vasodilation. So if our body generates nitric oxide, or if our body can't make nitric oxide, then we don't get the dilation, we get constricted blood vessels, that causes an increase in blood pressure. Okay. But it's more than that. It, then you get, if you have an increase in blood pressure, you get inflammation, you cause damage to the, signing, the lining of the blood vessel, you get oxidative stress and immune dysfunction. Is it because, so the, so the blood vessel, is it because you're trying to put too much down the smaller hose and it, so it's like almost right. like forcing it through? It's pressure. So like, like a water hose, if you've got a weak spot in the water hose, you increase the pressure, you put your thumb on it, you'll see that bulge. So you're almost kind of increasing friction in, yeah, in so the Yeah, so you can cause vessel. an aneurysm, uh, you get blood, plus, blood vessels that rupture. Uh, you know, you're seeing that now in chronic COVID patients that the, um, the microemboli, the platelets become aggregated, they develop blood clots. It explains the uh, cardiomyopathies and the endocarditis uh, mm -hmm. from COVID or even from the mRNA vaccine. So all of that nitric oxide maintains normal blood pressure, prevents vascular inflammation, oxidative stress, and immune dysfunction. Gosh, there's so many things, and it seems like such a simple, not it's a very, simple fix, but well, it's simple a very, but long-term It's fix. a very complicated, complex science, mm -hmm. but the effects are very clear. There are over 185,000 scientific papers published on nitric oxide. So the evidence is clear. Now, so it's not lack of information or knowledge, it's the dissemination of that information and knowledge In to not just consumers, but to physicians. Physicians need to understand nitric oxide deficiency, symptoms in their patients, and then employ strategies to restore them. I mean, is that a long-term game, the PR campaign that's needed basically as well? It is, and you know, we've been very successful in the nutrition dietary supplement space, uh, but we have a number of drugs that are going through FDA trials. And I think we'll gain more awareness and acceptance of this when a physician can actually write a prescription for a nitric oxide medication to overcome some problem in their patients. So today in Western medicine, physicians typically don't. I mean, they always tell you, change your diet, exercise more, but nobody does that, right? right. And they don't, they certain, most physicians don't recommend supplements or nutritional products. Sure. So their model is write a script, go to the pharmacy, fill it, take this pill. And I think once we have safe and effective nitric oxide drugs on the market, then the awareness will become more and there'll be better adoption from consumers. Okay. So we have to first, our approach was we have to first educate the physicians, but that's a very tall task. It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, right? Exactly. So we thought, okay, now we got to educate the consumers so that the patients can go to their physician, ask the right questions, and then force the docs now to do the research because there's nothing more embarrassing than a patient to ask you a question you don't understand. Right. You don't have the answer to. So on the does it make sense to start with maybe the next generation of doctors that try and get into the med uh, medical systems and, and, and the schoolings? We've tried to change the curriculum. Now I was in academia for almost 20 years. Okay. And, um, you know, I taught at medical schools, taught future physicians. And the curriculum, you know, it's very resistant to change the curriculum. Mm -hmm. There's no nutrition courses taught in, in medical school. Yeah. Um, you know, we tried to, to teach, and the curriculum is such that you learn biochemistry and physiology the first year, second year you learn pharmacology, and then in your clinicals you learn diagnostic, you learn ICD-10 codes, reimbursement, and they forget everything they learned about biochemistry and physiology. Because <laughs> now the pay model is you have to make a diagnosis. Once you make a diagnosis, you have a finite number of things you can do in terms of prescribing medication, and then you have to code that for reimbursement. So there's no, there's no pressures to learn 
to understand the biochemistry and physiology because it's just prescribing a drug that really does nothing to the underlying etiology of disease. Yeah, and it seems too, you know, through my personal investigation that a lot of these things that can be uh, the good intentions misapplied in pharmacology also have some other depleting aspects to a lot of the drugs as well. Well, there's no drug that's without side effects. I mean, most drugs are inhibitors of certain enzymes, right? And so when you inhibit an enzyme system, there are always consequences to that. Yeah. And so all drugs have side effects. What we do is different. We're not inhibiting any enzyme. We're basically giving back the body what's missing. So it's working with the natural yeah, we, order we, of things. We call it restorative physiology. Okay. So it's not pharmacology. <clears throat> it's restorative physiology. We're giving the body something that is missing that it naturally makes and then improving the body's own ability to make it. So that's completely different. In fact, in, in our, our drug studies, we haven't had any reports of any adverse events. That's because amazing. we're giving the body what it's used to seeing and naturally producing the right amount at the right time. That, that's huge, and I think that's an important aspect to, to work with the body, work with the system. That's right. As we continue to unpack it, because there's so many layers that we're only still just learning about and, and per this conversation, really. Yeah, I think what I've learned besides a lot about nitric oxide is that human disease is caused by two things and two things only. And it doesn't matter if it's cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, sexual dysfunction, the body's missing something that it needs or it's exposed to something it doesn't need. So we now know from Linus Pauling's work that you know most chronic disease is caused from nutrient deficiencies. We know that the food we eat is missing certain nutrients. So if we supplement what's missing and we get rid of the toxins in our body, or remove ourselves from a source of exposure of a toxin, then the body heals itself. That's what, that's how we're designed. Yeah, we're regenerative beings, and we just got to get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Let the body do what it's designed to do. So, uh, before we wrap up, it, is there one thing that I haven't touched on yet that you think is an important point to make uh, around this topic? Well, I think what the science the science is clear: your body cannot and will not heal or perform optimally without nitric oxide. So if there's one thing I ask you to do, it's, it's like do some research, understand the importance of nitric oxide, and then just do these simple things. Stop using mouthwash, get rid of fluoride, stop using antacids, exercise, get some sunlight, and when all else fails, um, you know, take a nitric oxide uh, supplement. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for your insights. Um, if you haven't had a chance to uh, check out Dr. Brian's presentation, I would encourage you to do so. He digs deep into uh, a lot of what we discussed today. So thank you so much, uh, Dr. Brian. Thank you, Scott. joining me. Pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rest and Recovery Podcast. Please share this information far and wide. Rate, review, would appreciate all of the support. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can also check out episodes on any of your favorite podcast platforms, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Or you can check out the website at www.berestedbewell.com. Thanks and have a great day.